whether or not we all realize it, those of us who serve the Lord are participating in the most epic adventure of all time, space, and history. I think it's about time that we start celebrating the miraculous and wonderful ways that God touches our lives in everyday circumstances. I'm Karen Pennington, and this is Daily Adventures in Grace. Hey friends, Karen Pennington here, and on Sunday, I went on a hot date with the love of my life and my boyfriend, and yes, I still call him my boyfriend. January coming up, we've been married 20 years. Uh, maybe romance looks a little bit different at 20 years. I remember how it translated, you know, from our first year where of, of marriage where it was all candy and flowers and rose petals and you know the second and a big stuffed animal next year it was a little bit of candy a little bit of stuffed animal third year he bought me and made me a bookshelf <laughs> so, and i loved it so, it was not a, it was just romance like a lot more practical when i had a lot of books and we needed to unpack but this sunday it was just very sweet we were done with church we i had already taken a sabbath on Saturday, so I was going to get a little bit of work done. He was going to go in the woods, and he just said, you know, I just want to be with you today. And tell you what, if that doesn't warm my heart, so. So we went out and watched a movie, and uh, he just did this really sweet thing for me. Um, you know, when you've been married almost 20 years, it's not all about the heart flutters. He still makes my heart flutter, but you know, it doesn't happen every day. We love each other. We respect each other. We're definitely in love. I'm definitely very flirtatious with him, but uh, it gets very practical. You get very into the things you need to do. You get in, you know, kind of a comfort zone and all that, and that can be the good stuff. It can get, it, it, let's be honest, it can also get stale when you get into the things you're doing and forget, but he reminded me of why I love him. He reminded me of the thing that really attracted him to me. We were in the movie theater, and for some reason it was really chilly. I had a sweater on. Um, he had a light jacket on, and I was just so cold. And um, So he, even though we were kind of evenly matched in terms of the warmth that we had on our body, our jackets and sweaters, he took his jacket off. I was shivering. He took his jacket off and gave it to me, which meant he only had a shirt, and I now have three layers. And um, it just reminded me of this time almost 22 years ago now. Um, I was maybe in my mid-20s, and um, uh, I went over to the house of someone from church, a friend of mine, and she had this brother, <laughs> a little bit younger than her, very, very good, I mean, drop dead, gorgeous cute, uh, and I was trying not to think of him that way because he was a little younger than me. I mean, he, it was okay. It wasn't, I was mid-20s, so it was okay. But he was a little younger than me. I didn't do that. He was, you know, a little bit wrong side of the tracks. You know, not the person that I, being the person who wanted to go into ministry, thought that I'd be with. But, man, was he cute. But then on top of that, he had this nephew that he just, like he had him on his shoulders and he was so good with him and come on ladies sometimes you think about who's going to be a good father to my children and he just loved kids and um 
Then the clincher was that it was outside. It was chilly. It was November 21st, 1999. And uh, I was shivering even though I had a light jacket on and this person who was a little bit crass at the time had pretty good amount very much kind of a hillbilly kind of a person not the person I saw with myself with um he took off his jacket and insisted that I wear it he only had a tank top on underneath so on this cold November night we're outside all talking I'm now wearing two jackets while he has a wife beater that they call, though I hate that word, but the wife beater, the, you know, those kind of the ribbed undershirt things. That's all he had on at that point because he didn't want me to go cold. Um, I think that did it. I think just that did it between his love for children and, you know, just this idea that he would think to give something to me even though it would make him colder, because he would rather be colder. He'd rather be freezing than maybe even a little bit cold. I was like, that did it. <laughs> and I learned, I fought it for a little bit. Then we prayed through it a little, because we were in different places, and we had to work through that. Man, we had to work through a lot. But um, it was kind of neat. Almost to the day, 22 years later, I'm sitting in a movie theater, and that same really good-looking guy gave me his jacket so that I wouldn't even be a little bit cold even if that made him a lot cold um, my heart flutters a little bit even when I think about that um, now in between those years there's been a lot of stuff there's been a lot more difficulties than I could ever even imagine there's been a lot of frustration there's been a lot of differences of opinion a lot more unnecessary stubbornness but there's been love and you know usually it's not always the fighting that helps that we forget our loving because we, you know, you come back and you make up and you talk through it. And, um, I like the makeup, you know, <laughs> but sometimes it's in those times where we're just trying to get things done. We're really working together, but it gets stale and we turn into like business partners. And sometimes, you know, you kind of are business partners with your spouse, but then you forget to be, you know, lovers. You forget, you forget, well, you forget your first love. You're so busy going through the motions of making sure you're living with integrity, with purpose, with, uh, you know, kindness, with functioning. You know, you get so much into functioning, you forget that. You forget why you got together in the first place. And so I just cherish the moments, like this Sunday, where I remembered that young, disheveled, gorgeous guy who did not speak with eloquence who was not overly educated, um, who was really nothing like anything I expected that I'd ever even be attracted to, other than the fact that he was really cute, but had such a heart of love in him. And I've seen that. Like, I, it, that that wasn't just that guy. That's my guy now, only with a little bit more, um, I don't want to say polished. He's still a hillbilly, I'll be honest. I mean, he is, he is polished. He's a little more seasoning. He's my... It's a seasoned heart now, but I just think about how easy it is. There have been times I've never stopped loving my husband. I don't think he's ever stopped loving me. I think there have been times definitely when he forgot, and maybe when I forgot how much you get so into the hard part that you forget to go to the heart of the matter of this is why we're this is the man I love. This is the man that 
God has chosen for me and look at what we've been through together. You know, even the hard stuff, it's like, look at what God has brought us through. And um, there's something to be said. Now, emotion does not, does not, does not, does not, cannot dictate our lives. And if love is just about emotion, it's not going to. It's not going to carry us. You know, love has to be about who God is in us. Love has to be about recognizing, you know, the, the good stuff is, I mean, the most important thing is, you know, God. But then as we get to know God in our lives, he introduces us to the good in each other as well. And we discover each other. And to know not just that we've made it, <laughs> not just that we got through it, we paid our bills for the most part, you know, <laughs> paid our bills. Yeah, we paid it. We're, we're bill payers. Uh, we raised our daughter, we have a great-granddaughter, and he is so good with her. He's such a wonderful grandpa, such a loving dad. And uh, But just remembering, there's something about remembering that guy that was so wrong in every way, you know, not in every way, he loved the Lord, so different from what I expected, but had such this heart, this core that um, I'm really, really glad I didn't marry the person that I sat down and wrote that list and, you know, said this, 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 and this. I'm glad I married the person that had that heart, um, that David heart for God. And I don't want to forget it. You know, I want to celebrate that. Even in the hard times, I want to keep coming back to that. I need to keep, you know, dating my boyfriend, <laughs> my husband, my love. I do forget sometimes. I don't forget I love him. But, you know, I forget that wonder. I think about the church of Ephesus. It was a good church. It was a fervent church. If there was any church in the New Testament who remembered about purity, who sought to say no, 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 no to sin, no to bad thinking, no to wrong teaching. It was Ephesus. They had a fire <laughs> where they just burned I think it was something like $50,000 worth of books. Like thousands, by today's standards, thousands and thousands of dollars worth of books. Um, and there was a riot because they were so fervent <laughs> that they were, that was bad for business. You know, Ephesus was a city where there was a lot of paganism. There was a lot of witchcraft. There was, well, what city wasn't that city? <laughs> and that dude, what city isn't that city today? You know, there's just a lot of that. So people were going out of business because... Business of witchcraft is lucrative. The business of paganism is lucrative. And um, so when we're saying, I don't want them, so much do I want to get rid of them that I'll, I'm going to burn them so no one else can have them either. So they were really, really fervent and they did not tolerate sin. But in the process of trying to maintain their integrity, they lost their compassion. In the process of doing and doing and doing and doing and doing, they forgot the love. I'm going to read. Uh, they're one of seven churches that the Apostle John wrote a letter to. Um, we call it Revelation now. And he, as he talks through Revelation about the things to come from this island of Patmos, just off the coast of Asia Minor, he's writing to these churches, which he had really become sort of the father of. And... Uh, he gives them some encouragement to some of them. He gives some stern exhortation to others and a little bit of warning to others. And this is what he says to Ephesus. This is a, 
Revelation 2, beginning with verse 1, nearby standard version. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. So basically, I'm speaking the words of Christ right now. This is what Christ has told me and put in my spirit to say to you. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance. I know that you cannot tolerate evildoers. You've tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them to be false. I also know that you're enduring patiently and bearing up for the sake of my name, that you've not grown weary. But I have this against you. You've abandoned the love that you had at first. You forgot your first love. You've abandoned the love that you had at first. Remember then from what you fall and repent and do the works you did not did at first. Remember how far I brought you, Ephesus? Remember how cold and distant you were? Remember how uncaring and unloving? Remember how my love, my love brought you through? Stop just doing for me. Be with me. Remember then from what you've fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come and remove your lampstand from his place, unless you repent. So he's talking to the pure church. He's talking to the good works church. He's talking to the we're not going to do evil church. And saying repent. They forgot why they were doing it. Let anyone who has an ear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. To everyone who conquers, I will give permission to eat from the tree of life that is in the paradise of God. It's crazy how we can think we're doing everything right. We go for this flawlessness. We just try so hard not to let God down. It's like that husband and father or that wife who works so, so hard for their children, so hard for each other, and in the process it tears their marriage apart, tears their family apart, and they think they're doing it for love. But something in them gets off where they just do it to do it eventually, and, and they may love each other and love their children, but in the work they're forgetting each other. See, that was so precious. That's what was so precious about our time Sunday. I see my husband a lot. We're empty nesters now. We try to spend moments together at night. Sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes one of us falls asleep before the other one. We try to text each other through the day, but taking those moments to just be together, just to be together, not because we're laying in bed about to fall asleep, not because we're getting ready for the day and we happen to be in the same room, but to say, I'm carving out this time for you. For my husband to say, you know, I just need to rest. I just need to be with you today. So important in our own marriages and our own relationships, ones that matter. We make time for what matters. We do. If you're too busy to do the most important thing in your life, then it's not the most important thing in your life. If you're too busy to be with the most important person in your life. Then really? Are they the most important person in your life? If God's the love of your life and you're too busy to take time and adore him. Is he really the love of your life?
Are you remembering that God is the love of your life? It's just lip service. It's an indictment to me, too. And that's pretty bad, because I talk about God every morning. And I preach at my church one Sunday a month, and I try to tell my kids about it, and sometimes I can get so caught up in this talking. Sometimes, as I read scripture, it's so functional that I lose love. Sometimes I can get so into every difficult thing we have to do together that I forget that feeling. You know, I see my partner, I see my friend, but I forget that feeling of that young man, the heart of the young man. So today, how about remembering our first love? How about just taking that time to sit in his presence? Actually, I have a little time coming this afternoon. I think that's what I'm going to do. Huh. Go on a date with God. It'll be worth the time. Always is. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The people you've placed in our life, thank you for these wonderful emotions you give us. They're not good masters, but they're sure great servants. And I know we can't live by emotions, but when it feels good, it sure feels good when we have that backup of this is God's will and it feels good. Ah, oh, nothing like it, God. There's nothing like that courtship, that falling in love with our best friend. And maybe some of us don't have spouses. Maybe we just have friends that we love like a brother or sister. And just honoring that friendship even, Lord Jesus, that's wonderful. But just bring us back to your heart, God. Even as I remembered to see a glimpse of my husband's heart, the thing I fell for. Uh, may we just honor your heart today. May we remember your heart today. May we revel how much we love you, God. That makes so much difference. It puts everything else in perspective. Think of the song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, Look Full in His Wonderful Face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. May we take some time today to tune out the world and tune into you, Lord Jesus, so we can return with a new vision, a new freshness, a new empowerment that only you can give. May you be glorified, God. It's more than anything you deserve it. In your name, amen. Be blessed, my friends, and may you experience God's love in a refreshing and new way.